Well, it's no fun to be disconnected, is it? It's no fun. This pandemic has not been fun at all, as we've all been so disconnected and detached from one another. And that kind of disconnection happens in our lives. For example, I can recall a time when I was really needing to accomplish a term paper, and all of a sudden, the electricity went out. You lose everything, you gotta start again, or maybe you're getting ready to jump on a very important uh, meeting on Zoom and suddenly the crazy computer decides to do an install right then and you just can't connect. This happened to me one time in a really big way as I was on a three-day retreat. I was taking a group of 40 kids up 5,000 feet uh, above sea level up a hill in Pocahontas County, West Virginia, in a place they call Snowshoe. Maybe you've been there if you like skiing, but it was kind of a late winter, almost early spring. It was a three-day retreat. These kids were, you know, all juiced up on candy and caffeine as we were trying to get through the crooked roads, these two-lane roads throughout uh, rural West Virginia, and we got up there on the mountain, and all of a sudden, a big snow fell all over us. And we weren't even there to ski. We had no skis, we had no equipment, and there we were. And suddenly, uh, you know, we lost power. And there was no PC, there was no TV, there was no radio, there was nothing. And here I had all these kids, and we were disconnected from reality. We need to get back to our family, let them know we made it there safely, picked up the phones, grabbed our cell phones, the lines, the towers, they were all down. And boy, we felt so frustrated. We just were so isolated, felt so disconnected from the known world. You know, today we are beginning a new series that we're calling Fearless Prayer. Fearless Prayer. And this is gonna continue all through this season of Lent and we're gonna challenge you to connect to God, to really lean into a time of prayer, deep prayer and connection with God. And in this series, we really wanna challenge you, whatever's going on in your life, whatever problems you may have, all your woes and worries, all your fears and frustration, as well as all your dreams, all your aspirations, all of those uh, ambitions that you have, and simply go to God in prayer. You know, as you look at the life of Jesus and you see that he spent some 33 and a half years on this side of eternity walking upon this earth, and I don't know about you, but I've often wondered what is really, if you had to boil like the, the top thing or two or three things down that really uh, you want to talk to Jesus about, you want to find out what's the priorities here? How am I going to get through this life? How am I going to make sense of everything in this world? What kind of question would you ask? Well, you know, the disciples were afforded that kind of opportunity, and they were there watching Jesus do all these things, and they saw everything he did, heard everything he said, and they had this chance to ask him a question. They heard him preach amazing sermons. They witnessed him do awesome miracles. They saw him perform astonishing healings, even revive people and bring people back from the dead. And that must have had a tremendous impact upon their life. It must have affected their hearts, their psyche. Who is this guy? And they could have asked him any number of questions. But notice in the Bible, they didn't say, how can I be a more effective communicator? How can I be a clever person on TED Talks? 
How can I give really powerful, you know, parables that are going to really mesmerize people? How can I bring people back from the dead? How can I do these incredible miracles, turning water into wine? They didn't ask any of that, but they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, that ought to be something that grabs our attention today because they could have asked a lot of different things. And here they're asking, teach us to pray. Jesus went off to pray as we read in the gospel narrative some 25 times or more. And in fact, it was probably a lot more often than that. Luke 5, 16 indicates it's happening routinely. As Jesus is saying, hold on, fellas, I'm going over here to the garden. I'm going to pray. I need to get alone and I need to connect. You know, the totality of God is expressed in this text, these verses that are before us that we often share week in and week out in the Lord's Prayer. It's the masterpiece, it's the centerpiece of the entire Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And these disciples, they've asked this question and he's giving them this incredible response. And the privilege of prayer often becomes so commonplace in our life, we just don't realize the incredible privilege that's given to each of us to pray. It's kind of like we're taking our showers, drinking our coffee, reading our Wall Street journals, or looking on our browsers every day, and all of a sudden we see other people that can't do that. They're living in a war zone. And you just kind of take your freedom for granted, all of the comforts of home. And the same with our prayer life. You have the awesome privilege of connecting to your Heavenly Father, to connect to the God who created you, and prayer doesn't need proof, friends. It needs practice in our life. And even a short prayer will reach heaven if you don't live far away. Now, Jesus is providing this instruction here of how we can pray. And we're going to unpack it here over the next few weeks. But this prayer kind of goes like this. It, the first of it focuses on divine petitions. Because the focus here is on thy will, on your will your name, your kingdom. And then the latter half focuses on human petitions, which is focused on our daily bread, our debts, our trespasses, our temptation. But as you notice, before you can even get down through this petition, you're kind of stopped right in the beginning because in verse nine, he's teaching us how to begin the connection, how to dial up, how to get focused. And he begins here by saying, our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, you recall in the Old Testament there the story of Moses, no doubt, who was out on a hillside minding his own business. He was watching over the flock, tending to all the sheep, and he saw this bush out of the corner of his eye that suddenly started on fire. And the bush continued to burn without being consumed. And he's like, well, what's going on here? So he wanders over there and takes a look, and as he's approaching, in Exodus 3 and 5, it says, suddenly hears this audible voice, and it says, put off the shoes from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And you know, before God speaks to us, there's a sense here where you have to have this deep reverence, this great humility, this, uh, you know, appropriate fear or respect and Moses here is watching over the flock, and God had to gain his attention through the fire in the bush. 
And isn't that a great thing uh, to think about here for just a moment? Because many people wait until there's a fire before they do anything about connecting. They wait until everything's going down the tubes. They wait until there's a real problem in their life. And then they decide, well, maybe I better start praying. In other words, when we have a need which we ourselves can't meet, then we think, well, maybe I ought to connect. Well, that's not the intention of this prayer here, and it's certainly not the life of Christ and what we as Christ followers are to do, where we need to be praying continually and in connection with God all the time. I say to you that prayer is not learned in the classroom, but friends, it's learned in the closet. It's learned by actually praying. And my goal in this Lenten season is that you would reconnect to God, that you would make sure that you carve out plenty of time to pray and to connect with God on a routine basis. The prayer here is that you would trade in all your sorrows, all your sadness. You would lay down all the things that really weigh you down, all the shame, and exchange it for the joy of the Lord. Because when you really connect with God, when you, on a daily basis, connect with the Lord of this universe, it's going to transform your life. And if you want more joy, if you want more peace, if you want less stress and more rest, I guarantee you, you need to get connected to God because it will transform your life. It's really the key to the radiant Christian life. Now, Jesus taught this prayer, and it begins here, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And some quick observations I want to make. There's no way we can plumb the full uh, verse and just a few moments, but some things that I want to share with you that really impress me about this text. First of all, if you're going to connect in prayer to God, it means you've got to recognize his name. That's how Jesus taught us here to begin, to recognize the name of God. And this prayer reminds us that it's to God whom we go. And it says we are to hallow his name. Now, when I look at that phrase, there are two questions that immediately really come into my mind. And first of all, I'm like, well, why is God's name so important? And the second one is, is what in the world does the word hallow mean? I mean, sometimes you think of that word, you're thinking of Halloween. Or these hallowed grounds where soldiers have fought and died. Or these hallowed halls of justice. But just what does it mean for God's name to be hallowed? I mean, it would be easy to kind of disregard this out of the King James Version as some crusty, musty, dusty, archaic term that's totally irrelevant to our life. Some mournful, sobering, slow, irrelevant term that doesn't mean anything. But the emphasis here in this text is not on the word hallowed, but it's on the word God. To hallow means to respect. It means to revere, and it means to keep God's name holy. That means not taking the Lord's name in vain, which, friends, happens so commonplace now on TV and everywhere else. We're talking about the God of the universe. You know, our Father is a holy Father. Our book is a holy book. Our Savior is a holy Savior. Our life is to be a holy life. God's Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. Our song is to be a holy song. We sing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And Christ followers are told to be holy even as God is holy. It's just like the difference between a strong and a weak cup of tea. 
And you know what I'm talking about because, uh, you know, it's all about the steeping process. You have the same ingredients, there's water and there's tea, but the longer the steeping process, the longer that you intermingle, have the leaves in the water, the stronger you're gonna have a cup of tea. And in the same way, the length of time you spend in prayer, the more that you connect with God, the more you're gonna understand the will of God for your life, the more you're gonna understand the ways of God and have the wisdom of the Lord to guide you through life. A second thing that I would say to you that really speaks to me about this text, if you're gonna connect in prayer, it means you have to understand these prerequisites that are kind of before us. Stop and think about it. Before you can reverence God, it means you've got to recognize your need for God. I mean, as long as you think you're all sufficient and you don't need God, uh, you're not going to be able to really connect. I mean, reverence is oftentimes prevented by being conceited. It's kind of this arrogant, this hubris, this vanity. Somebody said vanity is what keeps uh, this, makes us squirt, think he's a fountain of knowledge. You probably know people like that in your life that just think they know everything, don't need anybody, they got it all together. But you know what? Adversity is really that diet that can reduce a fathead. And you know what I'm talking about there. Adversity somehow levels the playing field and reminds people of their great need and how they can't really survive all on an island by themselves. Kind of reminds me of the two Texans one time that were kind of fighting, trying to impress one another about their, uh, their, their ranch. Probably you've heard about this, that, uh, that story of how these Texans were going back and forth trying to say how their ranch was larger and they had better equipment and all this kind of thing. And, and the one rancher said, well, what's the name of your ranch? And he said, well, it's the Rocking R, ABC, Flying W, Circle C, Bar 5, Staple 4, Box D, Ranching M, Rainbow N, Silver Spur Ranch. And the guy was just like mesmerized. He said, you gotta be kidding. He said, I bet you have a, a lot of cattle. How many head of cattle you have? And he said, well, not very many. He said, a guy like that, you don't have much cattle and you got a big ranch like that? He said, what's up? And he said, well, most of them don't survive the branding. <laughs> and friends, I want to say to you that when it comes down to it in this prayer here, you have to humble yourself before God. You enter into the presence of God. And it doesn't mean that you think less of yourself. It just simply means that you think of yourself less. And there's a big difference. And another prerequisite, if you stop and think about it here, is when you're connecting with God, you've got to practice the presence of God. You have to seek the presence of God. You know, I know it's hard in our day, so incredibly hard, because there's so many wonderful things in this fast evolving world with all the technology and there's so many things to do and we all recognize there's little time to do everything. So you're pressed with time. Mindful of C.S. Lewis, that, uh, that fellow who was an atheist and later there in the 20th century became a Christian. And he's the guy that gave us Chronicles of Narnia and so many other works, mere Christianity and, and other wonderful things. And he said this observation one time, he said, the moment you wake up each morning, he said, all your wishes, all your hopes for the day come rushing at you like a wild animal. I know what he's talking about. I'll wake every morning and I've got this to-do list that's so overwhelming. This has got to be done. That's got to be accomplished. Got to get here. Got to get there. But he said, the first thing 
really the first thing in the morning that you should do is to shove back all of that and listen to that other side of you, that voice in your life, that other point of view that's quieter, that's stronger, and that comes to balance the equation. What is life really all about? After all, whether you realize it or not, my friends, God's presence is there with you. God knows all. And when we say, hallowed be thy name, it's reveal yourself to me, O God. May I be humble before your presence. May you come into my life and guide my life. What an awesome privilege to invite God into your life. And then thirdly, let me say to you that connecting in prayer means that you see the world in a different place. Friends, we can all say that this world is going off the rails, is it not? I mean, if it's not pestilence, it's, it's a pandemic, everybody's hunkered down, uh, there's rioting, there's uh, war now, people shelling, killing innocent people. I mean, we need a revival, do we not? We need a change in this world, and the only change that it can be is the Holy Spirit sweeping in. We need revival. Just like so many other times, a revival has come. And I remember the great revival, the great awakening, they call it, back in the 1700s. Jonathan Edwards, no kidding, was really conducting this Time Out for Men group. 800 men showed up for this prayer meeting. And he gets a note. And it's from a woman, and it says, will you please pray for my husband? Said he has become so difficult to live with. He's become so unloving and prideful. Please pray for him. And so Edwards gets this note and reads it privately at first. And he thought, well, why don't I bring this up to the men's group and we'll pray for this, uh, this fella. And so he reads that to the group there, and then he asks if the man if had been, if you're here today with us and you've just been described uh, as being terrible to live with, would you raise your hand? And all 800 raise their hand. <laughs> Friends, if we hallowed the name of God, there'd be less evil in this old world. If we feared the Lord today, the murder rate would drop to zero. Rape would only be found in the dictionary. Child abuse would be unthinkable. And even the government department of U.S. standard weights and measurements would correct things so that 10 pounds of bologna in California would be the same as it is here. And that even when you get to Washington, D.C., you get more bologna for less. I'm telling you today, evil in Ukraine, in Russia, in Europe is just the same as it is here. The human condition. And the times and the mores and the culture may change, but it doesn't affect the need, the element of our moral compass and our convictions. That's so much a part of salvation. You know, everyone was created by God, but not everybody's connected to God. You do know that. You've been created by God, but not everyone's connected. There's a lot more to being a father than just creating a child. I can tell you that. There are millions of kids in the world that don't even know who their father is, millions. And it takes more than birthing to be a dad, it takes connection. And God wants you connected to his family and you get connected to God through Jesus Christ. 
God sent Jesus so you can make that connection. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. And he went on to say, if you really knew me, you would know my Father also. There's only one way to get connected, friends, and that's through Jesus Christ, whom God sent into this world. In fact, you wouldn't even know God was the Father if he hadn't even come. He sent Jesus to the earth to make that connection. One of the greatest needs in your life is to have the approval of your earthly father. You want your heavenly father's approval, your mom's approval. Even if you don't have mom and dad's approval, even if they're absolute jerks, have run off and left you, there's something inside you. We see it all the time out on social media. Somebody looking for their biological father. People want to connect. There's this yearning. There is a God, I'm glad to tell you today, that wants you to connect. A God who loves you unconditionally, who says, come unto me and I will grant you rest and I will give you peace. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, that we don't call it handbook, back book, or foot book, but we call it Facebook. And literally billions of people are attached now to Facebook. And I hear people say, I, I don't want to see a picture of a milkshake or some tree or something like that. I want to see someone's face. I want to see your pictures. I want to enjoy your life. I want to connect with you. Well, I remind you today that the original Facebook is in the Bible. And it really is. We see people who back years ago desiring to connect with the face of God. Old Testament followers spoke of God hiding his face because it was just too radiant. It was just too holy, too bright to look upon. Even in the New Testament, Peter there in 1 Peter 3, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are righteous, his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I remind you today that God loves you completely. God accepts you unconditionally, and he wants to connect with you. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, and yet he still loves you and still bids you to come unto him. He wants to connect to you today. And so we're in this season of Lent, and we want to challenge you to connect, to really develop a sound, frequent prayer life, to grow your life of prayer. It will revolutionize. And on this journey to get involved in a small group. Join us on Wednesday night for our Brown Bag Fellowship. Just friendly conversation, wonderful time of connecting with people that we haven't seen in a while because we've all been hiding behind masks and hunkered down at home. Uh, but there are plenty of other groups. Stop out in the lobby, check out the app, get connected to a small group, other people that are on this journey to connect with God. Shall we pray? God, we thank you so very much that we can enter into your presence today. Lord, make us mindful of what an opportunity this is. And that, Lord, we can come with great anticipation, wonderful thoughts of expectation to know that you hear our prayers. So, Lord, comfort our hearts today. Strengthen us as we lean into this Lenten season. May we continually daily connect with you and be faithful in our walk of faith. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.